I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey from Weintraub Tobin. Paramount came into the Top Gun Maverick copyright lawsuit, Guns Hot, by filing a motion to dismiss, claiming that the sequel to the 1986 motion picture Top Gun does not infringe the copyright in Ehud Yone's magazine article. We are going to talk about this on this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. In May 1983, California Magazine published the article Top Guns by Ehud Yone. This article was an inside look at the real Navy fighter weapons school, Top Gun, based out of Miramar, California. The article begins with, with a vivid description of two Top Gun F-14 Tomcat aviators, Yogi and Possum, on a hop or simulated dogfight training against Top Gun instructors. The article then continues with a deep dive into what makes Yogi and Possum and other Top Gun fighter pilots tick, a look at the Top Gun training regimen, a look at life on base and off base, and the history of Top Gun. When the article was published, it was optioned by the creators of Top Gun. Yone is even credited on the original movie as a writer of the magazine article. On January 23, 2018, the Yones properly availed themselves of their right to recover the copyright to the story optioned by Paramount by sending a statutory notice of termination under the Copyright Act and then filing it with the Copyright Office. As we've previously discussed on this program, Section 203 of the Copyright Act permits authors or their successors to terminate grants of copyright assignments and licenses that were made on or after January 1, 1978, when certain conditions have been met. Upon the effective date of the termination, all rights in the work that were covered by the terminated grant revert to the author. However, any derivative work prepared under the authority of the grant before its termination may continue to be utilized under the terms of the grant after its termination. But this privilege does not extend to the preparation after the termination of other derivative works based upon the copyrighted work covered by the terminated grant. The Yones sued Paramount for copyright infringement, claiming that the Top Gun Maverick film infringes the Yones' right in the original article. When we previously reported on the complaint, we stated our belief that this case is going to be more about whether Maverick is actually a derivative work of the article. And would Maverick even infringe the article, given that the article is not a work of fiction, but rather a factual work? It seems our analysis was right on the money. In its motion to dismiss, Paramount correctly argues that in order to state a claim for infringement, a plaintiff must show substantial similarity between the work's protected elements. Determining whether works are substantially similar involves a two-part analysis consisting of the extrinsic test and the intrinsic test. The extrinsic test assesses the objective similarities of the two works, focusing only on the protectable elements of the plaintiff's expression whereas the intrinsic test examines an ordinary person's subjective impressions. Although a plaintiff must prove both to establish substantial similarity, a finding of substantial similarity under the extrinsic component is a necessary prerequisite to considering the intrinsic component, which is expressly reserved for the jury. 
As such, on a motion to dismiss, the court will only consider the extrinsic test, and the extrinsic test can end a plaintiff's infringement case only when the similarities between the works are either wholly due to unprotected elements or where the amount of similar protected expression is de minimis as a matter of law. In its motion to dismiss, Paramount argues that in applying the extrinsic test and filtering out the elements that are not protected under copyright law, such as facts, a scenes affair, which are situations and incidents that flow necessarily or naturally from a basic plot premise, and stock elements, these two works, Top Gun Maverick and the Ehud Yone article, are not substantially similar. In its motion to dismiss, Paramount argues that all the elements that are alleged to be similar the history and operations of the Top Gun Academy, that the pilots pull off risky aerial maneuvers, that the manner of combat training and the tactical discussions the pilots have, the descriptions and depictions of fighter jets, including their exorbitant cost, pilots doing push-ups and other exercises, pilots' use of call signs as nicknames and depictions of camaraderie among pilots, uh, including bar excursions and games, uh, all, as reported in the article, are reported as factual. Paramount also argues that the fact that both works are primarily based at the naval air station Miramar, also known as Fighter Town USA, can't be considered by the court in determining whether the works are substantially similar because Miramar is or was the location of the real Top Gun Training Academy, and Miramar Base is actually referred to as Fighter Town USA. All facts that copyright does not protect. Paramount also argues that any similarity between the characteristics of the real-life pilots and the fictional characters in Maverick must be ignored. That's right. In his motion to dismiss, Paramount relies on Corbello versus Valley, that's the Jersey Boys case, for the proposition that a character based on his, a historical figure is not protected for uh, copyright purposes. Now, as you may recall, Josh, we recently discussed this issue, claims of infringement based on similarities of characters in works, when we discussed Fox's win in the Sixth Circuit based on claims that the Taraji P. Henson character in Empire, Cookie Lion, infringed the copyright in Sophia Eggleston's biography, The Hidden Hand. In coming to the conclusion that the historical recitation of individual factual character traits and personal history are unprotectable facts. The Sixth Circuit cited the both Corbello and Vallejo v. Narcos Productions, LLC. There was no way that Paramount was going to bug out of this dogfight. I agree with you, Josh. It's going to be interesting to see how the plaintiffs respond to Paramount's motion to dismiss. It's almost certain that nothing in Paramount's motion would be a surprise to them. And you can bet that they had their objection to Paramount's motions outlined when they drafted the complaint. Yeah, I would expect that's the case, Scott. I mean, when you file an action like this, you generally know what you're I mean, most of the time you have some expectations as to what sort of motion to dismiss you're likely to face. Uh, sometimes you're surprised and, you know, you could debate whether that is a lack of preparation or not. But in this instance, I would fully expect that plaintiff's counsel expected this motion to dismiss. Oh, given the skill and expertise of plaintiff's, plaintiff's counsel, I'm certain that they knew exactly what was going to come up in the motion for dismiss. So motion to dismiss. So it will really be interesting to see what they argue uh, in their response to the motion to dismiss. Uh, we'll see if anything novel or interesting or unique comes out of that, and we'll definitely report back on it. That sounds great, Scott. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Josh. 
Thanks for tuning into this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and podcast. And for additional content, visit our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks.